you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I'm your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 24, and today I will be sharing my story. First of all, thank you so much to everyone who offered to guest host today. I had a few offers of people who are willing to host or interview me or ask me questions, and I did just decide randomly to turn on my mic, and it's late at night, and I thought I would share my story because so many of you brave souls have shared yours, so now it's my turn. So let's see here. I was born in 1981. My parents were, this is where it gets confusing. They may or may not have been married at the time that I was born. I have an older sister, three years older than me, and my parents were married. And then I believe they separated or filed for divorce. Somehow... I was born in this time, and I did happen to find a divorce record for when I was about 18 months old. My parents were not young teenagers, though. They were full-grown adults in their 30s when I was born. I um, know that my parents had a terrible, terrible marriage, um, I honestly look at my birth certificate father and I cannot see him being marriage material at all. I mean, he's been a bachelor for, well, 38 years. That's how old I am. So um, my mom did marry him, though, and they had first my sister and a very tumultuous marriage. And then they had me. My mother is not what I would call a maternal person, naturally. I have memories of her when I was a kid being very loving. I remember being her girly girl. I remember when I was very tiny, and I mean like a toddler. She did have the ability to give me love and affection and I remember her rocking me in the rocking chair and singing me songs so I do know she has the ability to be loving when she wants to be especially when I was very small and probably very cute and helpless but as I grew older my mom certainly wasn't freely giving of love she is not a naturally loving person she is not an affectionate person And um, I was always very envious of my friends who had these nurturing mothers who spent time with them and adored them and loved them and laughed at their stories and stayed home. And I remember being very envious of um, my friends and family members who had these 
nurturing, caring mothers. I always wanted that. My older sister, I think, really took on that overprotective, or I should say the protective role. Um, She, in a way, played my parent when I was a child, and I feel bad she had to do that so many times because when I got older, that was really hard for her to, to let go, to let go of that need to parent me and control me. My, well, I guess he's my birth certificate father, who I thought was my dad, um, is not and has never been a good provider. He is a ton of fun. He is so much fun. Um, He would take us to parks late at night, um, push us on the swings. I remember him I guess lighting, well, I thought it was a cigar, but it was probably a joint and blowing the smoke on us and telling us he was keeping the bugs away. Um, He would take us to the community pool late at night when it was closed. He would drop us over the fence so that we could go swimming illegally late at night. I mean, this was a very irresponsible, but very, very fun father. And I only got to see him every other weekend. I know he tried for custody of me and my sister, and he lost. He was a taxi cab driver late at night, maybe sometimes. He lived at or near the poverty line, and that's just where he's always been most comfortable. He doesn't work a ton. He works when he wants to and only for what he feels he needs in life. Um, I heard a story that... When my parents were married, and there was, I know, a lot of abuse between the two of them, I heard that my dad actually had lost a job, but yet he continued to leave the home every single day and pretend like he was going to a job until he got caught a couple weeks later playing basketball at the community center every day. So that's the sort of dad I had, and a little bit about my mom. My mom married my stepdad when I was four. And this man um, was a saint to me. He is everything that my sister and I needed, maybe a little bit too much. He brought structure. He brought stability. He brought rules. Um, He maybe went overboard those first five years or so and was too strict and demanded too much of us with chores and had very high expectations of how the house was run and um, although I learned a lot of skills from him as a small child, it was, it was a lot to take in. But he took on the parenting role. My mother and father were not big into parenting. They weren't really big into kids. Um, well, my mom didn't seem to be. I'm not even really sure why she had children, honestly. Uh, she always needed a lot of me time. My mom still needs a lot of me time. She gets easily exhausted. I always thought it was because she was an introvert. And that may be the case, but I realize now it's um, it comes from a very self-centered place where um, she may be a bit of a hypochondriac or maybe it really truly is ailments that she possesses, but she is constantly plagued with aches, pains, migraines, illnesses. I can't think of a time in the last few decades where she hasn't suffered some malady and needed time to be alone in her room resting. 
Uh, she gets easily overwhelmed when we visit. Holidays, dinners, barbecues. She can only handle so much. And then she and my stepfather have to go and retreat and um, be by themselves and recharge. Something that so many of us wish we could do. Um, but it is, it's just something I've always learned to handle. I've always learned to just kind of walk on eggshells around these people. And I can pick up on cues immediately, be at their beck and call, know exactly what they want, know exactly when I need to leave. Uh, oh, are you okay? Do you need a pillow? Let me pour you some more coffee. Are you comfortable? Oh, I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. It's exhausting being the child of um, someone so self-centered and so possessing of a narcissistic traits that you've learned to please them by just walking on eggshells around them your whole life. When I was 14, I remember being very, very ill. Something was wrong with my leg and I was going to the emergency room multiple times and I couldn't figure it out. And finally, um, they had, there was a mass in my leg and finally I was admitted, um, and scheduled for emergency surgery. And I was scared to death. I was a teenager. My parents were there. I went into surgery and I came out groggy. And if anyone's ever come out of general anesthesia, you're, you're groggy, you're confused, you can't speak. There's a tube that's been in your throat. And I was a scared child. And I was in the recovery room and I was asking for my mom and the nurses. I picked up on the fact in the state that I was in and they were looking at each other and they said, oh, honey, your mom went home. And I, what? My mom went home? I came out of surgery. I was a child in the hospital. They said, yeah, your, your mom went home. She, she was tired, honey. We'll take care of you. And I remember being embarrassed that she did that, but that I immediately went to a place of making excuses for her. And when I got wheeled into my room, my stepdad was there and it had to have been three in the morning. And sure enough, he was there. He was there to take care of me and to make sure I was okay. And I said, where's mom? And he said, oh, honey. He just repeated what the nurses said. She really needed to go home and rest. It's been a long day for her. And here I was scared to death. The orthopedic surgeon had told my parents to prepare for the worst and my mom needed to go home and rest after her child, her teenager, just came out of surgery. That's just the sort of mom that I had. And my stepdad always enabled that behavior. When someone has so many narcissistic personality traits, you learn at a very young age to handle that and to please them. And unfortunately, I am very, I was very codependent as a child. And it's something I've had to work on the last couple of years to try to break that cycle. And I still continue to work on that recovery and still continue to work on having good, healthy boundaries and trying to make that next right decision where I am not trying to please a toxic person specifically one of my parents. But I did receive love as a child. Absolutely, I had periods of that. And I had a very loving, nurturing, affectionate stepfather who read to me 
who took care of me when I was sick, who took me shopping when I was a teenager, who went on field trips with me. And so I did learn how to show love and nurture my own children and my own family. Ooh, it's really hard to talk about my parents, considering I am estranged from all of them. I haven't talked about them in a little while. This is, this is hard to talk about. Um, so I took a 23andMe test first. I was really interested in, I believe it's called the BRCA2 gene. It's like the breast cancer, ovarian cancer gene. It was kind of big in the news a few years ago when Angelina Jolie had had a double mastectomy and hysterectomy because she had carried that gene. And so I am a health nut and I wanted to know if I carried this gene as well. And I wanted to know any other things that I could possibly have that I could do some sort of a preventative maintenance on. I took the 23andMe test initially and it didn't actually give away my NPE status because it had a bunch of very far removed, you know, second and third Italian cousins on there, which was baffling to me because I didn't believe I had any Italian heritage in me. And I didn't even know I had any family members that lived in Italy, but I didn't recognize a single name. I was mostly interested in the health and wellness portion of it, which was actually very helpful. I talked with my sister, who I believe to be my full sibling, and said, can you believe we have a good percentage of Italian in us? I'm shocked. I always thought it was half Norwegian and half French. And she said, we are. I have my ancestry DNA results. I am half Norwegian, half French. And I'm like, what? Huh, that's so strange. I do not have that composition. I mean, I have the half Norwegian from my mom, but I don't have the half French that I've always identified as being from my dad's side. I have a little bit of this um, Italian, some Northern Africans, some er, er, just a very strange mix, um, specifically pinpointed to Sicily. It's amazing how they can do that with the genes, pinpoint exactly where you are from. Uh, my sister and I were really confused about this, but we didn't make anything of it. She had me convinced that the technology wasn't fully there yet. Maybe there was some sort of error with the technician, who knows, but we both agreed we needed to take the same test. She didn't want to take mine. I didn't want to take hers. We'd both already paid a hundred dollars. I did finally decide to, during a promotion, take the ancestry. It was maybe three, four months later. And I just started to joke with a few people. My neighbor pointed it out to me. My husband and a few other people later told me that I joked with them about, gosh, I wonder who I'm going to find out my dad is. Kind of, I must have had the seed planted that something was amiss with my DNA results. I got my results back. And even though I was at home taking care of my youngest daughter, I have three kids, I didn't even wait for her to go to preschool. I just grabbed my laptop, went and looked at the results, and immediately was confused that the, almost the exact same composition came back. And I had my aunt show up as the most related person, and then second was 
my sister. And then third was a complete stranger's name. And he and I were somewhere around 1,500 centimorgans related, about the same amount that me and my sister were related. I didn't know at the time that I was looking at a half-sibling. All I knew is that this person was showing up as close family, and I was very related to them. I got my sister on the phone, and she was very busy at work, and she opened up her results and we're, we're going through our lists and we're comparing them and she's naming off my aunt's names and my cousin's names. And these are people that are on, should have been on my paternal side. We should have shared them. And I'm saying, no, none of the dad's relatives are showing up, but who are all these? Um, and I'm not going to say the last name, but who are all these? I'm going to say Connors. All these Connors, I have never been related to a Connor. They are showing up over and over and over again. What is going on? And she was baffled and I was baffled. And I said, I'm just going to go over to mom's house. I'm going to ask her. And um, I dropped my daughter off at preschool and I told my husband, I'm going over to ask my mom about my strange DNA results. And he said, don't do it. You don't have a great relationship with her right now. This is not a good time to do this. And I said, exactly. It can't get worse. I don't have a good relationship with her. What do I have to lose? I let her know I was coming over. And I showed up there. My stepdad was also in the kitchen. And I sat down and asked my mom what was going on and why my sister was showing up as more like a half-sibling and who were all these Connors in my family DNA results? And why wasn't any of dad's family showing up? And she just looked at me and she wouldn't answer. And I just started to tear my hair out. I just knew. I said, Mom. And she said, Oh, in the 80s, my boss was Bill Connors. What does that mean? I've, what does that statement mean? And she said, I, your, your dad and I had a bad marriage and we were breaking up and I maybe had sex with him once or twice on a business trip. And, and then my whole world just, just fell apart. I just, I couldn't even hear the rest of that sentence. And I said, are you saying dad's not my dad? And Angela's not my full sister? And who is this guy? Is this guy my, is this guy my brother? Who is this guy on, on my list? And she immediately went into dismissal tone, minimizing and was like, oh, Lily, your dad is still your dad. Stop this. Oh, nothing's changed. So quickly, I was just, I was shocked. I was sick. And then I didn't quite place this at the moment, but I could hear my stepdad's voice saying to her, you never thought this would come back and bite you, did you? And so... I didn't, I, that didn't make sense at the time, but I realized later when I was rehashing this incident over and over again, 
he had heard that this was a possibility, that my mom at some point had told him I could possibly be another man's child, that they both knew this. They may, they may not have had proof, but this was a possibility, and she had discussed this suspicion with him at some point. And that has been something that I am still so upset about to this day. My mom handled the rest of that situation terribly. I think I'll just skip ahead. I mean, she said things like, You mean I could have been getting more child support? And then started laughing. I mean, she handled it so terribly. And I'm certain she was filled with shame and guilt and embarrassed. I know I've spent time with my therapist trying to think about how she must have felt in the moment. But it was terrible. It was traumatic. And um, it was handled very wrong. She was unable to say sorry or I love you or give me a hug or provide any support. I quickly texted my husband, the, this Bill Connors, whoever this guy is, is my dad. And I sent my sister a text as well. And then I hightailed it out of there because I needed to get away from these self-centered, unsupportive people and be around people that would just let me cry and hold me and take care of me. <sighs> the situation didn't get any better from there. My mom and I, a week later, had another sit down. Um, that was terrible. Um, she had decided to reach out to my biological father at this time. And I'm not exactly sure what she told him, but <laughs> I'm sure she was trying to, as I've since learned later, control the narrative of the story. She was in some sort of damage control. I can only speculate what she said because I have since spoken with my biological father twice and it hasn't gone well. Something along the lines of me being a troublemaker. Me taking this test and it causing some sort of trouble. That's the only thing I can surmise from this. Uh, I did find out my biological father is still alive. I was briefly concerned that he, since he may have been in a position of power, that maybe he assaulted my mother in some way. Um, that did not happen. They had a consensual one-night stand, I guess, is what I'm the result of. He was never told that she got pregnant. He never knew I existed. I'm a little confused, but I guess he just never even knew she got pregnant. Maybe that's, even though they seem to have worked together after that, they may have worked in in different locations. I don't know. He just, for whatever reason, he never found out she was pregnant and never suspected that he had a child out there. Um, he has two children, about 10 years older than me. I contacted them through Ancestry and through Facebook messages. And I kind of regret the way I went about it. If I had been calmer and not so shocked, I may have done it differently. Um, 
because I have reread the messages I sent them where I said, you know, I'm, I sent them in a very confused manner. I believe that your father is my father. I'm shocked about this. I just found this out. I'd like to speak with you more. Um, I would have worded it much differently if I had the chance to redo it today. I would have um, approached it more carefully. But at the time, the day I found out, I wrote the messages and I think I scared them off. They've never responded. They've never showed any interest in wanting to respond. And my biological father has basically told me that I will never hear from my brother and he's not interested. And that I may hear from my sister one day, but he says she's really busy. So maybe not, (laughs) you know, really busy to to meet your your sibling. Um, Um. She's busy. So <laughs> my biological father and I had, uh, I had an email sent to him. He is still alive. And uh, his first initial response really filled me with hope. He said, I didn't know you existed. I do believe what you're telling me is true. And I want to speak with you more and we can bring clarity to this situation. And it was just like the nicest words he could have said for someone who was so scared and confused. And I don't know what happened from that first email till the next time I talked to him, but he had a total change. We had a a very awkward phone conversation. He gave me some family history. I kind of wanted some medical history. He gave me a small portion of that that I I would like much, much more, but um, it was awkward. He let it be known that he hadn't yet let his wife know that I existed. This was confusing to me, but I tried not to pass judgment. I was just so excited and nervous to talk to him and just begging to be loved and approved of. I guess I um, had another email conversation with him weeks later and things got very confusing. He said some pretty cruel things. He said he had been in contact with my mother. Uh, He said he was shocked I would throw my family under the bus like this. He said he doesn't know how I could deeply hurt my mother. He also said that he his children, and his entire extended family were shocked I could so deeply hurt my family like this. I'm not sure what I did to hurt my family. Maybe it was finding out these DNA results. I don't know. It got very confusing. I've reread the email so many times. I just have to stop reading it because it's just so hurtful. He also said that his family will take his lead and that he makes the decisions of the family, and he's the leader, and they will follow his lead in deciding whether or not to meet me. So he made it pretty clear that he calls the shots, and I have never yet heard from him, my half-siblings, or any of the cousins that exist, or aunts and uncles. 
I guess I won't. Um, that was about nine months ago, I found out, in April of 2019. And I have never yet received a response to any of my messages. And honestly, I stopped trying. It was just too painful. After I had one hurtful email from him, I had a terrible panic attack at about 3 a.m. My husband thought he was going to have to call an ambulance. I thought I was having a heart attack. It was the scariest thing in my entire life. And immediately called my doctor the next day and um, made an appointment with a therapist who I've been working with since. It is somewhat helpful. Um, Being in therapy is always helpful. I'm always open and willing to work on anything that needs work. And being raised in the situation I've been raised in, no doubt there's plenty of work to do. Um, I think NPEs are raised by, I mean, I shouldn't say NPEs. I am an NPE and I was raised by a parent who chose to play God and chose to decide who was going to be my father and who she was going to tell was my father and not. And, uh, being raised by a parent like that, you can only imagine what other sorts of decisions that sort of parent makes in your childhood. I have lost so much since finding out I was an NPE. I have lost most of my parents. The possibility of a biological father being part of my life. My mother is estranged from me. My stepfather, I wrote and I said I was shocked and hurt when I found out that there that you have actually discussed this with my mom and you chose to keep her secret. And I'm terribly hurt by this. And I feel that I know you are her protector, but really you are enabling her poor behavior. And he never responded to that. And we still don't speak to this day. My sister and I were estranged for a while. We are starting to slowly speak again, but it's cautious. My birth certificate father and I have a very tough relationship. I have a friend who helps me through a lot of this, and she just always tells me, Lily, time and distance, time and distance. And I just cling to that thought that I just take some time and some distance from some of these more toxic people in my life and try to make healthy decisions on a regular daily basis. One good thing that has come from this is my immediate family has strengthened my kids and my husband. I, if they didn't feel loved before this revelation, I think they do now. (laughs) I know they do. I know they feel loved now. I show them so much more. I show them affection, love, nurturing, caring. And I, I believe I've always been a caring mother. But now I especially see how important it is for them to realize every day how special and important they are. And how much I'm willing to sacrifice for them. 
because when children aren't, when children don't feel loved and a sense of belonging and feel that they are safe and well taken care of, it's a very sad, traumatic, traumatic place to be. I know it. And I don't want my children to ever feel that way. I'm very grateful that I have a very empathetic husband who I I too have had to join the DNA NPE Facebook group and many other support groups. And I had to start this podcast as well because I couldn't just place this all on him, even though he has been so helpful. I want to speak a bit about the podcast. So I, I was spending so much time on the Facebook NPE group it was ridiculous. I would be scrolling for hours those first few weeks because I was just nodding along, reading all the other NPE stories, saying, I felt that way too. I had a parent that acted that way too. My half-siblings also don't want to talk to me. Why is that? What did I do wrong? I was just a baby in this. I'm the victim in this. How could this, how can this be? How can people be so cruel and dismissive of me? And I was identifying with everyone, but I still needed to live life. I still needed to run errands and and clean the house and go pick up my kids. And I thought, wouldn't this be nice if I could just listen to this in audible format? And I'm a podcast listener. I was searching for NPE podcasts and they didn't exist at the time. And and now more and more people are starting to speak about it and starting to do more podcasts. And I'm so happy that more content is being created on a regular basis. My podcast is for NPEs and anyone else that wants to support our community. It is for us. I am no expert. I am no journalist or interviewer. I am, I consider myself simply an organizer. I schedule, I correspond with NPEs, I'm available, I record their stories, and I edit them. I am no expert, and I I know nothing about the solution and how to fix the feelings that we feel. I don't really know if anyone does. This is such a new, new problem that we are dealing with right now. But I am willing absolutely to continue to do this and to spend my time doing this. And I spend a lot of time doing this. I get no money. I am not interested in monetizing this. I am not interested in sponsorship. And I do this completely anonymously. And I only go by the name Lily so far. And I have an anonymous email or Gmail address that people can contact. And lots and lots of people constantly contact asking for more questions and more resources. And I I just want everyone to know this is just something I'm doing as part of our healing. And I know nothing. (laughs) I I know nothing of how to handle this situation. But we can share with each other. We can share our stories and our feelings and what we've been through and the the similarities is mind-boggling and baffling at times i'm starting to see a thread with the parents of npes um and not always but but sometimes and it's been absolutely wonderful with all these brave souls sharing the most intimate details of their childhood and their lives and, and the trauma they have been through and how devastating 
this has been, and at times how wonderful and loving and amazing it has been, especially when I hear a heartwarming story of newfound family members connecting and feeling like for once in their life, this makes sense. They have found their family member. I love those stories too. My story is not that way today. Doesn't mean it won't change in the future. Doesn't mean my this, this story may completely rewrite itself in a couple of weeks. Who knows? Maybe my biological father will choose to contact me. Maybe I will reconcile with my parents. I, I don't know. Today, I, <laughs> I want to have a healthy life for myself and a healthy life for my children. And I cannot have toxic people in my life today. That's where I am today. And an NPE's journey is really never complete. So please continue to contact me. I would love to record and share your story as well. And thank you for giving me the courage to share my own story. And I don't think I'm going to edit this. I think I'm just going to publish it because this is nerve wracking and I just want to be done with it. Thank you so much for listening today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.